everybody, it's James Lindsay, and you're listening to New Discourse's Bullets, and that's where I give a short bullet point summary of one topic I think is relevant to defeating woke Marxism. Today we're going to actually jump into not woke Marxism or a topic specifically within, but part of the solution, which I'm going to locate largely in the preamble to the uh, Declaration of Independence. So I actually want to talk about this in a few episodes, and I'm going to start with one of the curious phrases in the declaration at the very beginning, uh, which, by the way, let me just tell you, people are asking me all the time, James, what do I do? They always say that they're looking for solutions. They don't want to accept that the solution is at hand, that the American experiment is and was the solution. They don't want to accept that we're going to get our country back, our societies back, the West back through slow incremental progress that requires wide-scale cultural renewal, which means understanding who we are and where we came from, they don't want to accept that this is going to be a lot of small tasks done by lots of people everywhere. And so they don't want to accept that solutions look like things like I'm about to suggest. Here's something you can do. If you want to start fighting effectively against the woke, it's very simple. You need to have two things in hand. One, you have to have a firm understanding of how they operate. And secondly, you have to have a firm understanding of what we're rescuing. We're rescuing Western civilization. So we need to know the principles that cause Western civilization to flourish. The flourishing of Western civilization has proceeded from the American experiment overwhelmingly. And therefore, we should probably look to that. Uh, as for understanding woke, I engage, I, I, I do this podcast so that you can engage knowingly rather than stepping into the traps they set. So that's the second thing. So something you can do, you can start to study the founding documents of this country. You can study the Declaration of Independence line by line, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. Understand what we were declaring independence from, which was a monarchy, and why? Because it was being tyrannical in the eyes of the founders. Understand what the principles they laid out were for this founding of a new nation. So the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the remainder of the amendments to the Constitution, the Constitution itself, the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, the kind of pamphlets like Common Sense and so on that framed the founding of the American experiment. You can make a study group for those, just like people make Bible studies. You can have a book club that studies those, and you can get together regularly with your friends and learn enough about where this country comes from and what it's about to A, know how to defend it and stand up for it, and B, want to do so, and C, help others understand and want to do so as well. Then we're going to be able to take all these small actions to start getting our country back, our societies back, Western civilization back on track. So... The phrase today is the perhaps most controversial one in the preface to the Declaration. We take these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Now, I know there's more to this, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. We'll come to that another time. Among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness was Jefferson's phrasing. I want to focus on the all men are created equal part. Are all men created equal? Obviously, we have different talents. Some people can run really fast. Some people are really smart. Some people are very strong. Some people are very thoughtful. Some people are very caring. Some people are very... Lots of talents. We also have lots of what we might consider kind of the opposite of talents, sort of like personality flaws or demerits or weaknesses or whatever. Some of those we can fill in. Some of those are just things we're going to work around or with. So obviously, obviously, all men are not created equal, right? So this is the kind of 
destabilizing approach that the left would take to break down uh, the concept of equality. But this concept of equality doesn't refer to this kind of perfect, everybody's this kind of, you know, clone of one another, perfect identical equality. It refers to being politically equal. So what it really refers to is whether we take the laws of nature or nature's God, as Jefferson phrased it, whether we're more like his inspiration in large part, who is John Locke, who is a very pious man and would actually have been Christian. What I see this as is that we're all equal in A, being human beings, which for the religious would say that we're made uniquely in the image of God. For the non-religious, subject to the laws of nature, we would understand that we are uniquely in possession of the tool of reason that no other creature on the planet has to the degree that our prefrontal cortex allows, which makes us somehow unique and different. And simultaneously, while we are human, we are most definitely not God. We are not the deity. So in other words, because the deity is the reflection of actual perfect political authority or all authority, if we believe in such a thing, in recognizing that we're not that, we recognize that we don't have that authority. It's not more complicated than this. And we don't know how far away from that authority we are. All of our uh, beliefs in our ability to run fast or be strong or think through or do calculus or whatever are vanities, right? And this is obviously a very uh, biblical idea that everything that we think is so great about ourselves are vanities. In some sense, it's that we're innocent infinitely far from God. Now, actually, what's being repeated here is the wisdom of ancient Greece. In fact, the wisdom of Socrates. At one point, Socrates is asked if he has wisdom. And of course, he's very famous for saying, I, I, you know, I know nothing or whatever, right? And that's what makes him where he is. And, the, and what he said further is that he does not have wisdom because that would be too great a claim. True wisdom, to have wisdom, or true knowledge, or to truly know, to have gnosis really, is the province of the gods, Socrates said. It's far too great for any man. No person can make a claim on having that knowledge. So to know or to have wisdom is too much. So instead, the best that men can do is be lovers of wisdom which in the Greek is philosophia, philosophers. The best we can do is love wisdom, pursue wisdom, pursue truth, look for truth, defer to truth, humble ourselves before truth, which resonates both in the rationalist and in the uh, religious, especially Christian sphere. This is the idea that we are all equal before the truth, because truth is a great equalizer. The truth is the truth no matter who you are. The truth is the truth if you're rich. The truth is the truth if you're poor. The truth is the truth no matter what. And if you are the smartest man on earth and you're wrong, the truth will eventually show you. And if you're the fastest and strongest and most powerful and most brutal man on earth, the truth will eventually show you. And if you are the weakest and slowest and dumbest and poorest person on the world in the world, the truth will eventually show you that you also can be right, despite those inequities. So what 
is going on with all men are created equal is that we're all created equal before whatever our creator that endowed us with inalienable rights is. In other words, we're all infinitely far from that. And then most importantly, since none of us has the claim on wisdom or true knowledge, gnosis really, we're in some sense equidistant from full satisfactory true knowledge. We might know a little more than our neighbor, but we only know a little more, even if we know a lot more. That's the idea, because we are finite, and we are limited, and this is the starting place, the natural law from which all of the American experiment springs. So if we don't have true knowledge, we only have limited, uh, partly blind, biased knowledge, then none of us can lay a legitimate claim on a superiority over any other. Unless we can demonstrate why, in the particular circumstance, we deserve to use that authority. In other words, what this idea that all men are created equal does is it solves the question of who deserves political authority. What it says is nobody deserves political authority. We're all equal. We all start off naked and small and whatever else, and none of us deserve political authority. The only authority we deserve over other men is that which we can earn through legitimate means. And what are legitimate means? Well, legitimate means might be an election. So you come up with a political system that lends political power to people temporarily under lots of divided powers and restrictions on what they can do with their power prescribed by law so that they don't have the ability to become tyrants. And after two years or four years or six years or whatever, or one year, depending on the office, you can vote them out. Maybe there are term limits and they can't have another term. In the United States, we only allow two terms for president, for example. So we will lend political authority. What about expertise? Well, expertise matters. If I can do a job and I can prove that I can do the job and you can't do the job, I can make an argument that I deserve to have authority over, say, a project that attempts to do the job, whereas you maybe cannot adequately make that claim. But this is all small and temporary. It doesn't challenge the fact that we're all created equal. So the American liberal system, the American system that is the answer to woke, was always the answer to woke, that is as fundamentally anti-communist as possible because it holds up the idea of the individual and his rights being secured by his government. There is no collectivism there. It is fundamentally anti-communist in its nature. The American political system, which is classically liberal, is based upon the idea that all political authority has to be borrowed with the consent of the people, temporarily, and with restrictions under law. And thus, we understand what it's meant, that we are all equal. We're all equally not divine. We're all equally not God. We're all equally unworthy of political authority over our fellow man. The only way that we deserve it is through proved capability, because when we show proved capability or gain the consent of those that we are showing authority over, whether that's people that are working under our uh, project and say, you know, some kind of a team, people working within our company or whatever, or in uh, through earning people's votes in a Republican system of governance. Only in those ways do we allow the borrowing of political authority, and even then only temporarily and with severe limits and balances and checks upon that power. So when Jefferson writes that we take these truths to be self-evident, 
that all men are created equal. This is what he's referring to. It has absolutely nothing to do with who's stronger, faster, better, smarter, cuter, more beautiful, richer, poorer, etc. The fact of the matter is that it doesn't matter that he was wrestling with the fact that this was a slave-owning country or that he personally owned slaves. You can read his own writings on that issue to see that he struggled with this uh, and wished he could solve it but didn't know how to do the politics of it. Because he wasn't a tyrant, he couldn't just throw down by fiat this thing. We find that what is meant is that because we are, whether by the laws of nature or nature's God or some more uh, transcendent God created for purposes that are beyond our ken, not knowing what roles we will or will not play, not knowing what challenges we will succumb to and which ones we will rise to and surmount, we are all created equal. And we all, therefore, have equal opportunity to chase political authority and pursue our own happiness, which shall be restricted by no other man. And that's ultimately the second piece and key of this, but that's really for another episode. So I'll wrap up quickly by saying that. When he says that this entails that we have inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and property, what he's saying is no human being, including King George III, including Thomas Jefferson, including to be George Washington, will have the political authority to deprive another human being of his inalienable rights, life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness, which is a stand-in for property. Life, liberty, and property are considered inalienable. Inalienable to the point where not only can they not be abrogated by others, they cannot be taken, or sorry, they cannot be taken by, abrogated by others. They also cannot be given away. They are utterly inalienable. They are intrinsic to what it means to be created equal under the laws of nature and nature's God. So I encourage you all to go start reading the founding documents of the United States and the American experiment. Come to understand what this is. Come to understand that the administrative state and the managerial elite that have colonized it do not represent that experiment and that that is what has gone wrong. And that that is therefore what needs to be brought to heel and put to our purposes with the consent of us people. <laughs>